Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got. Yeah, freaking guy. Or should I say rat? Yo, guy. I learned. Oh, by the way, so it's Wednesday, March 14th, 2018. We're halfway through or more of the Quicksilver uh, Snapper or Gold Coast Pro, Quicksilver Pro at Snapper Rocks, WSL Championship Tour. Um, But what I was getting at is I listened to your podcast with Tyler. Is it Swell Season? It is. Swell Season out of New York, right? Yep. And um, I learned that you despise the phrase yeah guy which i laughed out loud when i heard that and that your favorite surf phrase is rad which made a little bit of vomit come up in my mouth when i heard that first of all dude don't take it personally i'm not i don't no no no. i don't despise yeah guy i just don't like you and you're the one (laughs) so i don't know why you're taking this personally okay it's not that i don't like the yeah guy it's just you're the one who says it no well who has a favorite surf phrase first of all you know what i mean it's like uh i guess i say the word rad but i don't think about yeah so i don't know well speaking of speaking of people that do like me my friend anthony marcotti we're going to start the show off with this little uh promo for him world wave expeditions is his surf travel company i've traveled with anthony for almost going on two decades now wow. i use anthony marcotti's services uh he's taken me out on numerous trips of a lifetime to the mentalize i've been to the mentalize nine times and probably six of those times were with anthony's company and other times were when i got like free trips on a boat or whatever right but so um anthony is having this giveaway that you may have seen he's been running it on surfline as well yeah yeah so he um i want to encourage everyone to go to worldwaveexpeditions.com i'm assuming that's the url is it (laughs) wow thorough job well he just switched over urls that's why worldwave expedition okay go ahead and anyway he's got this giveaway it's the island it's the two island surf trip giveaway. I actually signed up for this. I know I'm not going to win because I'm his friend and that would look weird. Yeah. But I signed up for it just in I case win. I could argue my way in. Yeah, I could win it. You could. You could. So um, anyway, th- um, this is easily the best surf trip you've ever been able to win. The best part is if you aren't winning one trip, you're winning two trips. So if you win, you're winning two trips. Right. And I believe one trip's to Fiji. And one trip's to Indonesia, somewhere like that. It's basically $25,000 value. Thank you. Crazy, right? Thank you. Yeah, and it is, by the way, worldwaveexpedition.com. Expedition or expeditions? Um, Plural or singular? Good question. Both. I'm I'm sorry, plural. Expeditions. I know Anthony well enough that I bet if you typed it in singular, it would come up too. I bet he's... I would think so too. He's covering his bases there. Anyway, World Wave Expeditions, just Google it. Enter the two island surf, the two two island surf trip giveaway. I mean, this is insane, right? Yeah. Island to island, you're going to be not one but two. So um, we highly suggest you do that, and we are excited to have Anthony's company on as a sponsor of the show. Yes, and uh, Scott, have you been? Um, has your mood been elevated since I last saw you with the happy lens? Yes. 
Has it? Those I got the Rocky, I believe it's called. Yeah, Spy the, Spy hooked you up. Spy um, totally hooked us up. Yeah. Yeah, Spy's supporting the show now and uh I'm really stoked on the snowboarding goggles that well, they got me. So I was like, I'll bring you your uh, couple of frames that you got on the next show and you can open them up on air or whatever. And then you hit me back. You're like, no, no, no. I need the snow goggles immediately, actually. So you and I got together to make that handoff. But Things are sick. They're really awesome. They're, they're way better than mine. Yeah. I'm, I'm blown away. Yeah. So anyway, spyoptic.com, of course. So great supporters. And uh, they've got the Happy Lens technology, Scott. That's- I'm happier because of it. I would argue that snow goggles are... A good pair of snow goggles is more important than a good pair of sunglasses. Really? Yeah, I think so because snow changing conditions, right? Like, yeah. so you need like the gray lens for flat light and the hot yellow lens for sunlight, and and if you can change those things out, it means a lot when you're going down a steep mountain and you can see what's in front of you. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, being able to pick up the contrast of the snow super important. So. Snow goggles have come such a long way from when I was a kid. When here's, I was a- here's the true test, if I can interrupt. Yeah. The true test is. I showed my son, my 19-year-old son, who's just like into snowboarding. You know, he's like, you couldn't, you couldn't pick. Like, if you had to pick a kid that you're like, that kid represents what snowboarding is in North America in 2019 or 2018. This would be the kid, you know. And he was, just, he saw him, and he was just frothing, just, oh my god, let me have him. I gotta have him. You know, he was just stoked on those things. That's awesome. But I didn't give it to him. You let him borrow him. I let him borrow him. Did he give him back? Not yet. No way. Dirty dog. <laughs> I'll never see those things. Son of a gun. Um, so, yeah, spyoptic.com. And then you got to use the promo code podcast so that they could track this partnership. But here's the deal. If you use that promo code, they'll give you a free T-shirt, which you have to actually put in your cart. And then when you use the promo code, it zeroes out the cost. So they don't just throw it in. You need to actually go on their site, find the T-shirt that you want. Right. So you get to pick it, but the end, pick your right size mm-hmm. and then put it in your cart and yeah, 25 bucks for free basically. Right. So cool. use the promo code podcast. Yeah. And then, and then you got I, there, Scott? Well, I, our friend Rob Colby just sent me over this insane care package yeah. from Need Essentials. Yeah. And as you know, you and I are organically just really super big fans of Need Essentials. The weird thing is, and I'll just reiterate the story, a couple of years ago, I'm like, hey, I just got a new wetsuit. I found this wetsuit. I don't even know how the conversation just started. Like that, you brought it up out of the blue. I just go, hey, I got a new wetsuit, and you're like, me too. And it ends up we both went on to Need Essentials and bought suits like within the same week. Yeah. And ever since then, we've been huge fans. And um, I'm telling you, this suit is an insanely comfortable buttery suit. And um, on top of that, because there's no marketing budget so to speak they've passed the savings on to you and i the consumer so i got this care package i'm going to open it up you can please all freestyle you open it up the thing is when we both connected with need a year ago organically they were really just making wetsuits and since then they've developed the product line they have a mountain line um they do all sorts of stuff look at this so this is a dry bag Wet dry bag. Wet dry bag, yeah. So you can actually oh, drop the thing in water wet. and it won't get wet. Or when you go on the two-trip giveaway, this there you thing go. is crucial. Yeah. Have you ever swamped... Have you... You can just bring the bag with you. <laughs> Have you ever swam your Pelican case yes. to shore? Me yes. too. Numerous times. Yeah. It's actually kind of fun because it floats. It's kind of like... I mean, you can get... It's it's not as brutal as it sounds, but this is the key That's to that. That's what you need. Yeah. yeah. Just this throw it on your back. Need, the wet dry bag. Yeah. And um, so anyways, Need has a big product range outside of just wetsuits. That's the puffer jacket. Oh, I've been, I 
I got this jacket over a year ago, Scott. I wear it all the time. You might not have noticed, but every time you see me, I've got it. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. The man in black. You're like Johnny Cash. Exactly. So Wow, how beautiful is this? Amazing product uh, for the mountain. Basically, the motto... Sadly, the, this will find its way into my son's dorm room, probably. So the motto is, it's everything you need, right. nothing you don't, Scott. If you need something for the beach or the mountain, need provides it got photos of scott if you want to see it on instagram this is nice so oh my at any God, rate here's so nice so here's the deal scott thank you rob we've been at this for four years yeah today is the introduction of our first official sponsors of the show and are, are we boring the listeners we're not boring or? the listeners i'm just saying <laughs> this was in earnest uh organic relationships that develop these are all people and brands that we've actually worked with for a long time or or actually supported for a long time with our own hard-earned money and they've appreciated that and so now they're supporting the show yeah and frankly i'll toot your own horn toot your horn not your own horn but you did a lot of the legwork here and actually doing the back end like the billing getting your actually getting your surf splendor pot network to a place where you have multiple shows, this being one of them, and being able to present it in a professional fashion to these natural and organic friendships that you've created. So cheers, cheers. to you. Hey, dude. Cheers. Cheers to you. Bang. Oh, my God. We cheers just, to spit. That's almost was sincere. <laughs> I felt it in my heart. I don't know if you did. All right. Well, hey, remember. we got so much to talk rem- about, dude. Remember. You were you got tickets to the Ten Thousand Maniacs at the Belly Up. We yeah. talked about it on air. Yeah, and I was like, oh shoot, maybe I'll go. I love Natalie Merchant, even though she's not playing with them anymore. Yeah. They released that album from that night on Spotify. Shut up! You could probably hear me moaning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw it. I was on Spotify. I don't know why why that popped up, but it was like, oh, uh, Ten Thousand Maniacs live at the Belly Up from 2017. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the night Scott was there. I listened to the album. It is awful. <laughs> because yeah, you told me about the concert you're like oh it wasn't good and i'm like uh do you like the Ten Thousand maniacs because they're actually really good i i'm a huge fan but you were right it was awful absolutely terrible yeah that it want to be natalie merchant that they've replaced yeah. her with is terrible terrible yeah like a, like a terrible karaoke singer yeah of natalie merchant i know so how do you you know you can't do as good as natalie no matter how hard you try but she was not even close so yeah not good. It wasn't good. Sorry, but, sorry to report. But, yeah, but I thought that was so funny. I almost sent you a screenshot and just oh was like, my "Oh my gosh!" I would like to see that. I'd like to send it to my friends who I went with. But yeah, anyway, we'll I'll do that later. Well, dude, what do you want to talk about? God, there's so much. I want to get through a couple quick things. Okay, and they're both um, rest in peace stories. Oh my gosh! One of them is Vince Collier from Santa Cruz. Um, Vince was notorious, and he was everything the West Side of Santa Cruz is about. Really. He was larger than life, quite a mean streak, um, just, you know, quite a character. Um, and, and I've got an interesting Vince, not interesting, but I'll give you a little Vince Collier anecdote. I was surfing. Um, I went to pick up this friend of mine, a younger guy named Andrew Fierro at the airport in Honolulu. And it was October of 1988. And he had, this was his first trip to Hawaii. The surf's pumping. It's like 10 to 12 feet Hawaiian north swell, early season north swell. So Lani Akea is just like 
a massive point that's just insane. And, and the whole North Shore is at, at Laniakea because it's really the only spot that's, I'm sure Sunset was pretty good. But I mean, it was steep north swell. There was no west in it at all. And I pick up this kid, Andrew, and I'm like, dude, whatever you do, don't. When we get there and we paddle out, if you lose your board, don't go to the rip. Make sure you swim in through the whitewater. You know, and I just like reiterated that. And I've told this story on the air, so I'm going to kind of whip through it. So I'm surfing and I'm catching a bunch of waves. I'm on a big board. I bought a Willis Brothers, one of Johnny Boy's old boards, a used board over there. And I'm, I'm on a big, it's big. It's like an 8.6. And I'm catching tons of waves. And every Brock Little's out. All these guys are out. Like Ross Williams. Like all, everybody's out there, right? And um, and the way Lonnie K is, it's like you can kind of get waves on the reef or you can get the bombs outside that are way feathering outside. The guys on like 9 and 11 foot boards are catching, you know? And the one guy that's just doing laps on the bombs is this blonde, big blonde guy, you know? And I'm like, God, who is that guy? You know? And he's, he's literally catching the biggest waves, ripping them, kicking out. And he's paddling out 50 to a hundred yards outside of everybody else, because he's just going straight way out the back. And it ends up, I talked to somebody and like, Oh, that's Vince Collier, you know? And like Vince Collier was owning that day. And I mean, all the major Hawaiian surfers were there like big, you know, big, big wave guys, you know, that don't really have names, so to speak, but everyone on yeah. the North Shore knows who they are. Anyway, that's my story that Vince was dominating that day. That's crazy. And um, and I think that's a good way to sort of remember him, you know, because you can remember him. There's a lot of negative stuff that I could bring up, you know, and that stuff happened. But I'm just going to say that this one massive day when the whole North Shore was on fire with a big North Swell. There's no faking it on a day like that. The yeah, the three hours that I was there, Vince Collier absolutely owned it. You know, um, did you see the photo that Chris Clough posted where he, it's Vince on a big wave on a big board doing a big frontside carve? It's so uh, gnarly, dude. Yeah, I saw he's got some photos of, Port, of Vince at Puerto Escondido, I think, that I saw. Okay. That I've seen that are pretty famous photos, but this, I don't think I saw that This one. one turn, I'll try to find it and post it on spitpodcast.com. This one turn, it's just so gnarly. It's like even today, if... Dane Reynolds did that turn. Everybody would stop and stare at it. Like, it's so gnarly. So, big Well, rest else. in peace, Vince. Uh, he died really young. He was driving down to Mexico or something. I he's, thought he was only like 60 years old. He was, at, Por- he was at Porto. He was on his with, way. Or with a girlfriend. No, oh, I thought he was there? in the water. Oh, really? Oh, okay. It was a heart was, attack. Yeah, heart attack. I yeah. thought he was driving, but. Well, Maybe he was. I'm we don't sure. have the exact specifics of it, but regardless, rest in peace. And then the other one is George Downing. And this is, uh, you know. This is a a massive blow to sir I mean not a blow he was an older gentleman I mean he was probably in his 80s and again I don't have all the details I do well I have his age I think he Well was I want to read Matt what Matt 87 Warshaw, 87 So he lived a full full life I'm going to read what Matt There was a bunch of stuff on George Downing out there and it was all great but I think Matt's little paragraph summarizes it well so I'm going to read what Matt Warshaw wrote one of the things I liked about George Downing is that he didn't look or play the part of the big wave flyboy. Riding huge surf was never theater for Downing like it was for Buzzy Trent or Mark Fu or Laird Hamilton. Downing did it, loved it, viewed the whole thing as a science and a discipline so multifaceted that you could pour a lifetime into it. But he looked like a greengrocer and understood that riding waves was not in any way comparable to battle or space travel or what have you. Downing's favorite big wave board, possibly second favorite, we'll never know, was named Pinky. 
Buzzy Trencher guy, if you think big wave riding, pairs best with flexed biceps and Wagner's Wagner's ring circle ring cycle. George Downing stalked the same huge waves as Buzzy Trent, lived for the rush and the excitement, but drove home afterwards, showered off, had a nice dinner with his wife and kids. It spoke well of Trent that he always deferred to Downing. Downing, of course, deferred to Wally Froiseth, in much the same way a devoted son defers to his father. But Wally, in turn, pointed back to George Downing. Everybody who really knew what was happening in the 1950s big wave surfing knew that Downing, the quiet one, was the true master. How fitting that he made one last quiet, graceful exit in his sleep last week at age 87. Beautiful. What I liked was um, this paragraph. It was also from Warshaw. Said, generous and giving for the most part, Downing also proved to be congenially private. He hadn't been profiled or interviewed at length in the surf media until 2011's documentary, The Still Point, and occasionally aloof and argumentative. A note on the final page of Australian Nat Young's 1983 History of Surfing notes that, quote, George Downing has been omitted from this book at his request, although he has played a significant part in the sport. So George is just super low key. Doesn't he is not only innovative in terms of big wave riding, but also in terms of board design and board building. Oh, yeah. He was huge. First first fin box. First fin box. A wooden one. Which allowed people to turn a surfboard. It, it was pretty insane. It was in the 50s. I actually saw the board. We had the board. It came to one of our uh, auctions, one of our California Gold Surf auctions. We had like a um, PBS style roadshow thing where we had a bunch of experts, Randy Rarick and Bird and a bunch of guys were there doing, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, appraisals. Appraisals. Appraisals of boards. Anyway, so this board found its way and we were all just blown away. I mean, you're looking at like a $50,000 surfboard yeah. or more. It was a Makaha gun shaped by George Downing with the first George Downing wooden fin box in it. So, yeah. Which you got to appreciate a guy who's private like that in today's modern world where it's all about self-promotion and Instagram and look at what I just did. And he's just like, no, I invented it and I did it all before you, but no interviews, please. Yeah, I like the way Matt characterized it, you know, that he just kind of went home afterwards, had dinner, read the newspaper, smoked his pipe and went, you know, it was just a normal day in the life for him. It wasn't like, hey, man, did you see my wave yesterday? Exactly. No, I really appreciate that. So RIP George Downing. Yeah. Um, Scott, we got Quick Pro. We got Founders Cup. We've got all sorts of stuff, dude. What's the Founders Cup? Well, just the pricing came out for it. I don't even, I'm not even, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, that's right. Nor do I. <laughs> the only thing that I know about that's happening in May is the boardroom show. That's At right. Boardroomshow.com if you'd like to join. That's right. Don't boardroomshow.com, May 5th and 6th. I'll tell you what, our prices are a hell of a lot cheaper than the Founders Cup. Those things are ridiculous. That's 9500 bucks to ride the wave. How much is it to go to the boardroom show and meet all of the icons in the world of shaping? $10. What? $10. $10. $10. It's literally uh, 10,000 times cheaper. <laughs> 10,000 times cheaper. Oh my! And the good news is you can surf for ten bucks. You can surf for free. Del Mar will be good. It'll be good in San Diego in the springtime there. And uh, yeah, so Founders Cup they did re- release the pricing. I think it's roughly like ninety bucks or eighty-five bucks for a kid, ninety bucks for an adult. That's for one day. For both days, I think it's a buck fifty. And then the thing that Chaz wrote about and that I saw in other places was this $9,500 ticket where it's a VIP thing. You get special seating. You get everything basically taken care of, a place to stay at the 
casino resort place and you get all the food and you get the hobnob and rub shoulders and blah, blah, blah. And I think you get into the locker room and where you and I have been already. You, you actually get your own locker with your name on it. Oh, okay. Exactly what you and I have had. Right. So I backed out. So our experience was a $10,000 no, experience. I, I backed out the, cause I had to pay for my own hotel and things like that. The right. WSL didn't cover all of our expenses. Right? Right, right. So I backed out my expenses from this and I figured we got about a five or $6,000 experience, Scott, for free well, I on saw the you WSL. Go, you went back for Susie, so yours is like 5700 Yes. 5600 Yes, you got to factor that in. Right. And they are also getting a private concert as part of this $9,500. Right. Yeah. Private concert, VIP access, all this sort of stuff that you and I, we didn't have a concert. So I'm backing that. That's probably right. like a, I don't know, $1,000 experience. So you back out the 1000 Yeah. We got about a $6,000 day. Thanks to the WSL for free. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people um, hammering the WSL for this. And frankly, if you can afford this, this is like 10 bucks. You know what I mean? Like if you're a guy that can go, yeah, you know what? Me and my kid are going to go do this. And I'm like a Silicon Valley guy or I'm a big hitter in San Francisco or, you know what I mean? Like completely. This is not a big deal if you're at this level. You know what I mean? And so I don't don't hold it against them for pricing it as such. No, look at the WSL we've um, reported on this show is operating at a loss year after year. So I have no problem at all with them going, hey, we have this one of a kind thing in the world with way more demand than we could ever satisfy. Let's just throw out a crazy number and see what happens. And I guarantee they'll sell these packages. There's, mul- They'll probably sell multiples of them, you know? Yeah. And so... Who cares if a couple of guys on the internet give us flack about it? There's a bunch of other guys lining, lining up to write us checks. Yeah. So it, it has no bearing on my life, nor my surf experience, nor anything that I'm doing. So if the WSL can see a little bit of a return or try to get back to zero on this huge investment that they have, by all means, try to get back to zero, you know? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how ticket sales are going for them. Um, interestingly... My neighbor, two doors down, sent me an email the other day, the day on the 12th when they went on sale. He's like, hey, me and my son just got tickets for the Founders Cup. We're so stoked. And he didn't know that it, that it you know, was on the same date as the boardroom show and yeah. the auction. And I was like, killer, have fun. It's super fun up there. Bummer. <laughs> I won't be able to make it. <laughs> Has he been to the boardroom show? Oh, before? yeah. He's like, he goes every year. He's uh, like fully into it. You know? I might have met him. Steve. Yes, yes. Exactly. Steve Granger. Yeah, 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 he's a cool guy. He's an avid listener to this show. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, interestingly, Dave Prodan of the WSL reached out to me. He goes, hey, we'd love for you to come set up your shaping bays and be a part of this. He didn't know right. that the dates were the dates. And I, I, I was like, hey, maybe next time, you know, I, it's not going to work out. But yeah. it's all good. It's, it's, uh, I'm excited for the boardroom show and the auction. And I'm sure the Founders Cup is going to be a big success. Now, did we mention, did you get the interview I did with the Olympic? Yes. Okay. So that's going to be in this show. We should find a place to put this 20 minutes into the show. I thought it was a pretty good interview. Do you want to do it in the middle of the show or at the end? I think in the middle. You want to squeeze it in? Prep I mean, it or tell us what it is right now. Okay. So and then we'll drop it. I did an interview last week, 20 minutes. It's a good, tight little interview with Greg Cruz, who's the executive director of USA Surfing. This is the guy that runs Olympic surfing for the United States of America. He's the guy. 
And so I interviewed him about all sorts of things, the format, what the team's going to look like, how many teams are going to be able to be in it. You know, is there going to be a wave pool? Will it be Kelly Slater's wave pool in Japan? All of these things get answered in this interview. So we should probably maybe squeeze it in right Let's here. Let's cut to it. Let's go to that interview. Scott and then Bass we'll come with back. Greg Cruz. Um, Greg Cruz. I'm with Greg Cruz. We are at the House of Trestles, which is sort of this unique um, place, a communal home for traveling surfers um, to come and hang out and share and surf and um, be as one. With And it's in downtown San Clemente. I mean, we're right in the heart of it all, so it's pretty cool. Well, let's get right to it. Greg, you are the executive director of USA Surfing. We have the 2020 Olympics staring us down. And um, I thought it would be a good time to check in with you and get some insight into what's happening with the USA surf team. Um, Real quick, can you tell me how many national teams, how many nation states will make the cut for the Olympics? How many will actually be in the Olympic Games in Japan? How many teams? Okay, that's hard to say. There's a cap of 20 men and 20 women. And those are going to be allocated... Uh, amongst all the countries in different ways. The maximum that any country can have is two men and two women, um, although the final details haven't been ironed out yet by the International Olympic Committee and the International Surfing Association, who are the ones that are making those decisions on how countries earn their slots and how they fill their slots. Uh, for For the main surfing countries that all have CT surfers, my understanding is that the top uh CT surfers at the end of 2019 are the ones that are going to get the slots for their countries. So if this year's uh, ratings were 2019, we would have John John and Kolohe on the men's side, who were one and seven, I believe, and uh, Courtney Conlog and Chris Abor, who I believe were four and five this year. So, so they would have made the cut. If you don't have surfers on the CT, then it's a combination of doing the Pan-American Games in 2019 and the ISA World Surfing Games uh, in 2018 and 2019 and maybe even 2020. But the Olympic ideal is that every country has a shot to get a team, and there's really only five nations represented on the CT when you combine Hawaii with the U.S. Okay, so there's five teams for sure based on CT, like South Africa, the USA, Brazil, Australia... And I imagine France, France and, yeah. and French Polynesia. Or right. Does Michel Berez surf for France, or does he surf for Tahiti? Uh, does Tahiti have an Olympic team? No, so it will be France, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's interesting. And then now you have, a, you have the 18-month rule where athletes need to change their allegiance. If they're going to surf for another country, they need to do it 18 months prior to a, an important competition. So I have... Uh, you know, people going to Puerto Rico and Germany and Colombia and... You mean people are dropping off the USA team like well, flies they, because they know they're... they don't have a chance. Oh, right, exactly. You know, it's like we have we have six or seven people on, on right. the CT and, and four girls on the CT, and we got upcoming people like Griffin Colapinto and Caroline Marks who could be the guys in 2019, so they're just being pragmatic and they know... Okay, so let me back up a bit. Um, Right now, as it stands, it would be John John Florence for USA. Right. And we don't know if it would be Griffin or Kolohe. We, how, we, how would we get to the number two guy? It would be based on ratings on the CT. 
So, oh, really? So the top two guys from the nation state automatically, or they don't have to qualify through any ISA thing, anything that you any no, Pan American Games, any of that. It's no, but after after the 2019 season, then they they become part of USA Surfing, and they have to go through the whole U.S. Olympic Committee uh, system. And what does that mean exactly? Let's say well, it's let's say it's Kolohe and John. John, it's okay. 2019. We know they're on our team, but they have to. They have to jump through some more hoops. Well, there, there's going to be this. We're all waiting on this because the uh, the IOC and the ISA haven't come out with this yet. It was supposed to be the end of February because it's a Jap- Japan Olympics. They're giving until the uh, beginning of the Japanese fiscal year, which is April one. So I'm, I expect to hear more detail, but. Um, but yeah, the, at, at the would that just mean show up Gr- Griffin or uh, Kolohe and John John would just have to show up at the qualifying events and kind of put on the jersey and and basically right and just go through the hoops and, and we'll be going to Japan. I've been I've been to Japan three times in the last. What does that mean, train? They would have to train. I mean, are you suggesting that they're not? I mean, I know you're not suggesting that they're not in top shape. But what does that does that mean? You just got to like hang with the team and sort of hope that there's some sort of camaraderie that's built through a training regime or yeah that i mean it's not a team sport it's an individual sport but i just came back from pyeongchang uh embedded with the snowboard team ussc wanted me to see logistics media scrutiny right uh, understand the back end workings of the olympic festival all stuff that we need to get our athletes prepared for and especially for surfing because the competition site's 90 minutes by train from from the athletes village in tokyo there's no accommodations in Ichinomaya yet. They were supposed to be built, but there are, everything's hung up. There's a group of fishermen that want to be compensated for lost wages oh. and all this development. There's all kinds of stuff. So are on. they behind schedule on the surfing village? They, I'm not going to say that they're behind, right. but um, I think they wish they were further along or, right. or they're running into some bumps that, that they hadn't anticipated. Oh, interesting. So... Um, so to back up just for, and, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. The two surfers from the USA, let's say it's 2019 right now and it's John, John and Kolohe for sake of argument here or discussion, sure. I should say those two guys at what, what's So it's the end of the 2018 season, 2019, the end of the 2019 season would determine which two guys from each nation state are surfing for their team. At that point, then they need to kind of report to you. And say, hey, we're here, coach. What do you want us to do? And you say, okay, well, we'd like you to go and surf in the ISA event in France to get warmed up for this and to kind of get used to what, you know, the, the changes that right. are going to take place. Yeah. So it's not going to be your typical surf contest. Yeah, and then the USOC is going to put them through uh, media training, uh, how to stay healthy uh, in foreign countries, how to deal with the security, um, like – when I was in uh, Pyeongchang, its parents couldn't even get into the venue because they hadn't—they didn't have the proper security credentials. Right. Because uh, the snowboard team picked their final members. I think it was in the end of January, and the game started, you know, the next week. Wow. So I mean, there were parents there that were scrambling to get in to see their kids. Right. You know, so it's the—it's not like the U.S. Open where. One person gets a wristband and stretches it off and throws it off the scaffold down to the buddy. You know, it's 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 gnarly, and yeah. and there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of logistics, and you have to do things the way they want them done, and you have to, you know, the the people that are going to do well in this are the ones 
that are on the ground, ready, understand the logistics, and make sure that their team is the most comfortable and the most prepared. Um, I, I don't doubt that John John and Kolohe are at the top of their game surfing-wise, but there's also a lot of resources that the USOC can bring with 49 sports, the top the top uh, organizing committee in in the world, the most Olympic medals anywhere, and they have a genome with everything about every athlete, and the, the guys are going to get a head-to-toe evaluation, and they're going to get recommendations on nutrition and and training and things. If they either, don't get a gold medal, it won't be because the USOC didn't do their part in getting not. them trained. Or, or us. Right. Know? So, again, uh, it's it's not necessarily training for surfing, but it's going to be 90 degrees and humid. There, there's going to be crowds of people everywhere. It's going to be hard to get from point A to point B. It's that we have a 16-day waiting period, you know, so. Let's say for the sake of this discussion, and this could happen. This is a hypothetical situation, Greg, but um, let's say that for whatever reason, in 2019, John John has a bad competitive year on the CT. And we have Griffin Colapinto and Colohe Andino as our top two USA surf team members. Um, or whoever, let's say it's Zeke Lau or whoever it is, but it's not John John. And we all collectively know that John John Florence, at least it's, it's um, conventional wisdom that John John Florence is the best surfer in the world. Is there a way that we can get around not having our, what, what is perceived by the entire surfing consuming public, the best surfer on the USA surf team? Is there a way that we can get uh, John John Florence in this hypothetical situation onto the team, or is it just that's it, cut and dry, the best top two finishing surfers on the CT, no questions about it. Sorry, John John, you're out. That's that's the way I understand it now, but I haven't seen the final lowdown from the IOC and the ISA. I would have preferred to run a series of qualifying events in conditions that are close to Sugurasaki Beach, you know, in Oceanside or in Huntington. If you look at the U.S. Open, you see the, you know, the top CT guys go down early and Kanoe Garashi wins the event. Uh, so, it, who's, you know, who's going to be the best guy for the prevailing conditions at the venue? I'm glad you brought that up. Prevailing conditions at the venue. There's rumors circulating in parking lots, on podcasts, in the general world of social media, which uh, (laughs) could be bordering on fake news. But uh, there's rumors that there's already a Kelly Slater wave pool being, being built in Japan with the hopes that we can coerce, we being the WSL or the powers that be, that we can coerce the Olympics, the IOC, into saying, hey, let's just hold it here. The wave's perfect. Do you know anything about this rumor? I know everything about it. Fill us in, my friend. It, it's a rumor. I, I, like, <clears throat> I like Kelly Slater's wave. I mean, I've spent $10,000 on boat trips hunting for waves like that, you know? Yeah. It would be a perfect venue for the Olympics. Unfortunately, he's about 18 months too late in the game. I've been to Makinahara, to Fuji City, to Tokyo, to Chiba. I've spoken to the Nippon Surfing Association, the the Japanese Organizing Committee of the Olympics. I've talked to several developers that are planning on building wave pools. This is me going to Tokyo firsthand to find this stuff out. And the bottom line is, is it takes too much land. 
there's not enough time to get a parcel of land big enough together, let alone to buy it, and it's too late for the Olympics right now. It's, it's not going to get done, and the organizing committee does not want to have, even if Kelly's willing to build it for free, they don't want anything that doesn't have proven commercial viability. They don't, they don't want any ghost facilities like you see in Sochi. Uh, so... I, I don't know what the numbers are on Kelly's right. pool. I, I know it's going to be expensive, but it's probably yeah. worth it. I, I have been to Wave Garden 2 uh, in the Basque Country, and you know I, that looks like it'll be very commercially viable, pumping out a wave every eight seconds. And, right. and uh, I know they're building one of those in Paris, and they're building one in Virginia Beach, and they're building, and they're probably going to be build one in Makinahara. Uh, but he's not trying to get it done before the Olympics. He just wants to kind of ride the wave of uh, surfing popularity after the Olympics. So you're you're 99.9 percent almost positive that this event will happen in the ocean, in, in real, for lack of a better phrase, real waves, ocean waves. Yeah, and I'm I'm not clued in. I'm not I'm not a bro, and and I know. Uh, that it's important for the WSL to establish this pool as the Olympic pool um, because it's an expensive proposition and uh, there's a lot of countries, the U.S. isn't one of them, that pump a ton of money and if they if they think they can get a, a medal by you know, putting $25 million into a Kelly Slater wave pool, they'll, they'll do it. But uh, so... You know, and maybe 2024, 2028, it will happen. It's well, different. you mentioned a wave garden's being built in Paris. That immediately made me think, isn't 2024, is it L.A. or Paris? 2024 is uh, Paris, and 2028 is L.A. Right. Well, that's, that's fascinating information. So, <clears throat> excuse me, so when you were on the ground in Japan, were there any, did you run into any Kelly Slater wave pool people? Was there a vibe that there was somebody out there actually hunting land no, down? No. Well, there was. I mean, they've been pushing really hard. Um, almost, I mean... I mean, I would argue that this, I'm sorry to interrupt, this event that they're having in May at the Kelly Slater wave pool, this nation-state Founders Cup, is almost their way of saying, see, it works. For, we can do a nation-state team event just like the Olympics with our wave pool. And again, I know you're saying, yeah, great, but it's not commercially viable afterwards. We don't want an empty shell of a arena sitting around making us look bad. Well, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to show that it could be a team event, an Olympic type thing. Um, and that's great. I mean, supposedly they have some broadcast to it, which would be interesting to see, you know, what kind of ratings it gets. They're going to sell tickets to it. Another revenue stream that you can't do at the beach. So maybe that's part of it. It just becomes an event arena, you know, like like a stadium somewhere. And, but that and, would be one of those empty shell situations like you see in Sochi and Russia where it's just like, great, we've spent all this money and it's not commercially viable after the Olympics. But, but if there's an audience to watch events there and come and see concerts, I mean, it'd be like yeah. Irvine Meadows. Right, or something, an event, you know? an event I mean, space. It's there. Right. It's empty most of the time, but yeah. it's still there. So, again, I don't, I don't know what the the financial aspects of that pool are um and and what their plans are on it but uh i and i don't know everything that's going on but i went there 
you know, in person, talk to all the players that, that in I Japan, know, you in mean in Japan, yeah, and and they're all kind of like they've been pushing really hard, but it's it ain't gonna happen, you know? right? Okay, so that's that's the feedback I've been getting. Maybe they have some secret thing going somewhere, secret that build. I don't know. I mean, and, <laughs> and if so, cool. I mean, yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, but I'd like to know in advance so sure. we can go to Lemoore and practice. You know, absolutely. Well, and that's funny have, that you say that. Advantage, you know. Um, you know, other nation states, Australia comes to mind, and probably Brazil, I'm not sure, but Australia has this incredible national surfing push, you know, like, and, um, you know, they have the Hurley Center, and they've got B. Durbage as their coach, and they, are we behind the eight ball a little bit in that regard, or are we right there with them as far as... We're ahead of them. Wow. They, they've focused, uh, they have $14 million, uh, endowment that they work off and i think they have like a six million dollar annual budget and they've they've focused on their tour surfers you know that money's going into fanning and parco you know who are now retired and it's they've they've pretty much ignored the youth uh where our our program has been focused on the youth and getting our kids prepped for the ct and we've we've had great success with that. Uh, you know, we went from from having the Gadowskis brothers and and Nate Yeomans and uh, them cut cut at that mid year cutoff the year they did the experiment, and you know Pat just got back on. Uh, we went from that from a period of several years with no new CT surfers to uh, Kaloe Andino, Kanoa Garashi, Connor Coffin, Griffin Colapinto, Courtney, Zeke, Conlog. Well, Zeke, Zeke wasn't part of our program. He's oh, part of Hawaii, right. which has been separate up until now. Uh, right. But Lakey Peterson, uh, Caroline Marks. I mean, we've been putting kids on the tour at a younger age every year. So, so our program's working, and we're not, uh, we're not coaching the creativity out of them. You know, what makes America great is spontaneity and creativity and 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 that sort of thing we we coach them to be good competent surfers and and to to know how to uh, manage a heat and manage priority and and get the scores but they're they're not automatons you know just just doing rail turns top to bottom i mean our guys will dazzle you and and uh tara watanabe and noah hill at the isa world juniors were blowing minds and, uh, wow! Look you know, at you. You're selling it, Greg. You're selling. Yeah, I did. We, we have so many good kids, and they're so ready. I mean, watch out. What do you I know really, about the format for the Olympic Games? Six man heats, four man heats. No, it's not going to be six man. It's it's weird because the the Olympics is really hung up on head count on the number of total participants in the Olympics. Right. So we ended up with twenty and twenty, which is really weird. What do you do with twenty and twenty? Right. Know? Um, so I mean, twenty men, twenty women. Yes. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do a field of twenty? I mean, right. so there'll probably be some round robin type thing, or yeah. something going on. But the format know. hasn't been determined. It hasn't yet. been determined yet. Yeah. And that, that's a big thing. Neither has the judging criteria, the selection of judges, who's going to train the judges. Uh, it's not going to be sixty percent Australian like it is on the CT. The head judge isn't going to have the power that he has on the CT. Uh, so it, it's going to be different. It's going to be Olympic. I love it. Last question. Do you think that the world title race should be decided at the end of the year at Pipeline? And I know this, I'm throwing you a curveball, but I figured, for God's sakes, you're the head of USA Surfing. You know what? <laughs> I, I look forward to that event more than anything. It's so exciting, especially when it's a close race. Yes. You know, I, I love the Pipe event, and it's, it's, 
I, I think what they're talking about doing is taking the top surfers and then going to Indo somewhere and, and doing a surf off without everybody invited or something. It's, you know, that, I don't know. I, I love Pi. I'll take that as a yeah. yes. I love I'll take that I'll as just, a yes. You want to see the end of the year event but at Pipeline. I, I love the changes that the WSL has been, been making. I mean, it's, yeah. but it's, yeah, I don't know if that's a good one or not, so. All right. Well, Greg, thanks so much for your time. And um, we'll get back to the podcast right now. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thanks. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious. And there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So it's a pretty good interview. I don't know if you listened to it. I did not get a chance to yet, Scott, okay. but I heard it was amazing. Well, it doesn't matter. Look, the, the listeners just listened to it. So let's get into some other stuff. Yeah. What do you want to go for? Quick well, pro? how about some... Yeah, we, there's so much to talk about with the Quicksilver Pro. We almost need to get into it. I will let me, I'll tell you what, real quick before we go there, because I know the Quick Pro will take up so much of our time. Let me bring up one other thing. Okay. Skateboarding, not surfing as the California official sport. Okay. I saw this today. Did you see this? No. In California's state assembly, the legislature, if you will, there is an informal group of politicians called the Surf Caucus. One of its members, an assemblyman by the name of Al Muratushi, I butchered that guy's name, has proposed a bill to make surfing into California's official sport. The bill, Assembly Bill 1782, is on its way to becoming a reality. Now, Haley Rothwell wrote a blog that she says skateboarding should be California's official sport, not surfing. The main reason she gives is that skateboarding was actually invented in California, whereas surfing was a product of Polynesia and Hawaii. And also notably, there's way more skateboarders in California than there are surfers. And since the 1940s and 1950s, surfers attached wheels onto their skateboards, hence the beginning of skateboarding, or onto pieces of wood, right? So over the years, organizations like the Tony Hawk Foundation have made it a point to build hundreds of, well, maybe not hundreds, but many, many, many skate parks in the neighborhoods around California and across the United States, for that matter. So... Interestingly, skateboarding and surfing for the first time scheduled to make their first Olympic appearances in the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo. And Haley is arguing that skateboarding should be the California official sport, 
not surfing. Kind of a boring topic. I just want to know, yes or no, skateboarding or surfing as California's official sport? I'm clearly biased. So <laughs> I think Haley is um, highly uneducated on this matter and has an invalid point to make. Surfing is way better. I think she's actually spot on. Like, if you look at it objectively. I know. Skateboarding is way more of a California th- organically. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was, yeah, like she said, it was introduced here in the state. I don't care about objectivity. I right. care about my own personal experience. Well, and I mean, what me- good will it do us as surfers if there's a surf caucus in the state assembly? And I, I mean, agree. do you think? Uh, no, I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, this is just. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Uh, will it improve or hinder your and my surfing experience if surfing becomes the state sport? It's just an opportunity. Well, I, neither, right? Exactly. But but it's just an opportunity for politicians to sort of, you know, toot their own horn. Yeah. To use that phrase twice in one show. Try to go for three. I will. Bring later. it. But it has oh, to happen, happen organically. I doubt it. Um, so are you advocating for surf for skateboarding? No, then? I think I, I. Yeah, I'd rather have skateboarding because selfishly, I'm like, you know what. Surfing's been commoditized enough. Just just let us do our own thing. Yeah. We don't need you kooks in Sacramento. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't need any legislation on surfing. Yeah, no legend. There's no rules. That's a good point. Thing. Okay, I'm going. Definitely, yeah. let's make skateboarding. Yeah, skateboarding. You've convinced me. Yes. Um, I've got a couple of things, or do you want to go quick, bro? Whatever you want to do. So, dude, Bruce from Austin, Texas. Longtime listener, Bruce. Yes, Sent me an email, said, ditch the QE. Remember I was asking you last week? I was like, dude, or two weeks ago, what's a harder tour, the QS or the CT? And we're kind of thinking the QS might be actually harder to compete on than the CT. Bruce chimed in as a follow-up thought, and he goes, dude, we need to ditch the QE. Here's why. Point number one, the QS, the qualifying series, is horrible for the sport because it's boring to watch 98% of the time, and it's putting the wrong surfers on the dream tour. The WSL needs to realize, or the WSL needs the most exciting and marketable surfers on the CT. So how do you get Mason Ho, who can't even make it through round the round of 96, surfing crappy waves in Newcastle or whatever, um, and Mikey Wright and Jack Robinson. How do you get those guys onto the big show? Well, you could do it through events like the Founders Cup. Um, you could have national teams picked by captains. Fans can even vote who they want to see. If you look at MMA, Dana White, he leapfrogs young MMA stars like Paige Van Sant, uh, Sage Northcutt, Sean O'Malley, all these fighters that should be on the big cards. He leapfrogs them up to the big show to give them their chance, and it works. MMA f- treats their fighters' name like a brand, and the most marketable brands mixed with the right amount of, of talent get the biggest ratings and the biggest paychecks. So we're all tired of seeing surfers that we like losing in three-foot shore break at a beach break. Um it's not a good formula for ratings, first of all. And then it doesn't seem to be a fair system which puts the best surfers through the system, you know? So the surfers, the commentators, and all of us refer to this qualifying series as the grind, which is actually the polar opposite of entertainment. You know, you don't want this thing to be a grind. You want it to be propping up and catapulting people into the limelight. So Bruce in Austin. I think Bruce is absolutely spot on he totally nailed it and i wouldn't agree with bruce if our sport 
was a sport where as a competitor, you scored your own points. But because it's a judged sport, I kind of feel like what Bruce said. I'm not going to reiterate it. You, he, you nailed it. Yeah. I totally agree with it. And the best thing that he said, one of the greatest things he said is that the MMA treats its competitors, its fighters as brands. And that's the key. You know, like, what do I want to wear today? Do I, you know what I mean? Like, what do I want to drive? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and the fact that he called that we call it the grind says it all. Exactly. That was such a good point. And not only do we call it, the competitors, the commentators, everybody that works for the WSL refers to it as the grind. Like it's no question. I would love there. By the way, this is going to segue perhaps into because there's guys that I saw in this event, a, a couple that I don't think belong on the WCT. Name them. Michael February. I agree. Total gangly. He's like beat Durbage at age 12 or something. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He's just like this gangly. He hasn't matured. I'm surprised how many people are hyping him. Like I think he's all flappy and shit. But it is there's a style. People keep saying, "Oh, I think Strider was saying there's a uh, freshness to his style that we don't have on tour, and we like that." But he's not doing big turns. He's doing very kind of stylish, interesting turns, but they're not big. When you put him in a heat next to the other Mikey, Mikey Wright. or Michael Rodriguez, or Jordy Smith, yeah. or anybody. It's he just is like, so, yeah, it's it's incomparable, not even close. And and it's you know, so he's one. And again, let I I I don't want to throw Michael February under the bus after two heats at the Quicksilver at the first. You know, he's going to be going for the rest of the season. Perhaps he needs a big twelve foot chopu left for those that big body to stand out. But the point is, is that. What we want on the CT is a guy that can do it all, that can look like the guys we just named at Snapper and can look like Jeremy Flores or John John Florence or Gabe Medina at Chopu. Right. And uh, Michael February isn't that guy. Like, this isn't the time to go, oh, let's watch him mature into a surf star. You know, like, that's what the lame grind thing QS is all about. Right. Right. Another guy I don't think, and I... And I really, I know this guy's a really nice person. And by the way, Michael February probably is too. I'm not here to- nothing to do with that. No, it it doesn't. I'm just giving you my unbiased, objective opinion as a fan when I watch these people surf. I don't think Keanu Singh should be on the CT. I agree. I also- He lacks sizzle. He He looks like a QS. He looks like the best QS surfer in the world. Three to the beach. He's very polished. He gets the turns done, but he just- when has he has no sizzle, no. no pizzazz. There's, there's nothing that makes you go wow. When he's surfing, and we need wow. When he's surfing at his absolute best, it's still fifty percent of what we saw from Michael Rodriguez. And after Kiana lost that heat, Rosie interviewed him, and I expected to see some contrition from Kiano. I thought like he was kind of going to say, "Shoot, I'm a, I'm undergunned here. Like I need to hit." the gym or something like i need to figure this out that's not what he said i mean to his credit he has all the heart in the world so he was like look i know i deserve to be here and i got a, I had bad luck and uh, i'm gonna come back stronger at bells which is what you're supposed to say and that's the mindset you should have but as the viewer i felt the same way as you where i go no dude you're wildly outclassed here like whatever michael rodriguez has i'm afraid that you might not have by the way, Potts kind of said what I said. Did too. he? Yeah, he literally said, you know, we need to see some sizzle. We need to see some pop. Yeah. And that's, you know, coming from a 
a WSL commentator, they're going to definitely water down their opinion. Right. And they should. Right. But at those two in particular, now there's a couple more where I could maybe go, but those two, like, it was obvious to me that those two don't belong in the same category as the guys you just mentioned. Mikey Wright, Rodriguez, McFanning, Jordy Smith. There's a long list of great surfing. Well, I mean, the surfing was insane. Let's focus it on the couple of rookies who showed up and blowed up, man. Is I that mean, a word? Blowed? It's now a word. <laughs> shoe it's up like and blew Shoot. Let me do shoot. Like, what's the... Okay. Showed up and blew up doesn't quite rhyme. So. I told you that that word botten haunts me, right? I doesn't was in a really? big meeting with my boss Don Meek at Surfer Magazine like 15 years ago, and it was a, it was a, uh, we brought in a bunch of people. It was one of those, um, you know, when you get a bunch of people in a room and you do a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> <laughs> I am having such an old man moment. Right Stand up now. comedy routine. No, we were just doing a survey of consumers. Rodeo. Oh, okay. And so there was all these people that were like stoked to be at Surfer Magazine and sitting in our conference room. And I used the word bot. And I'm like, would, and I don't know. I can't even remember the context I used it in. But Over the last three years, we, like, we bought in advertising. Something bought. Like yeah. I used like, and I was like, well, it's, it's like gotten, you know, you either. Yeah. <laughs> Don Meek stopped the presentation and goes, did you just use a word that's not a word? And like fully like it's people, people sounds- are like laughing at me and shit. Don Meek sounds like a real jerk. I would never shame you publicly, Scott, for your vocabulary. <laughs> I'm okay I would with never. it. You know what? <laughs> I'm just joking. The bottom line is, you know, I'm supposed to have a writing degree. What am I doing using the word bot? Anyway, um, I interrupt. So let's talk about the rookies who showed up yes. and blew up. Oh, very good. Um, I mean, you... I, while I want to talk at length about Mikey Wright, Michael Rodriguez. He was the guy. Shined him. Like, Michael Rodriguez, you, you mentioned the word. we didn't really sport. know him, right? Dude, and I pay close attention to the QS. I saw him a couple times, but he was not at the tip of my tongue, a guys who were going to show up and blow up. Yeah. Um, he freaking no, is he, he, un, yeah. He's the real, I real you. deal. Remember? I was like, you this guy's me, insane. You texted me the word sparky, and you're right. It is all spark. It's like there is a... Um, a fire and a verve, you know, that like verve that does not exist that you don't see that often. We saw it with Felipe Toledo when he hit the tour, maybe even Gabriel Medina back in the day, but it is insane to see like the amount of pop he gets out of the board and the way that he'll like whip the tail and sex. It's just like really, really gnarly. It's the second it's Felipe Toledo 2.0. It's more powerful than Felipe 2.0. dude. He looked like, like sort of a combination of Jordy and Mick Fanning. And yes. like he looked like a lot of things all put together. I didn't see much that was wrong. No. And you know me, I'm sort of a North American USA homer. And I was like, holy shit. I, you know, I would want my kid to surf like this guy, you know. And even Potts and I think Joe Trappell mentioned it too, that the rookies, a lot of the rookies are have it all. Like some couple of years ago, a few years in the past, rookies would come on and yeah, they'd have an air game, but they wouldn't have a rail game or they'd have, you know, they wouldn't have like a Chopu game or whatever. And we've yet to see what Michael Rodriguez can present yeah. in big meaty lefts. But from what I can tell, he looks in, he looks like the real deal and he's still in the running, right? He's in oh, the yeah. quarters. Yeah. The fundamentals, he looks unflat. The other thing about the rookies is, is unflappable good point they look unflappable like they are not deterred at all by yeah. coming up against john john florence in a heat or, no. or gabriel medina they're just like Psh, they're who like cares? let's do this yeah i'm gonna surf the way i surf yeah which is so interesting and impressive um griffin colapinto deserves a talk as well because 
I put a even though everybody was touting him as being the guy, I was like, eh, we'll see. The WQS is different than the CT, dude. He looks amazing. He looks. He so does look good. really good. He he. There's a couple little, and I'm being hypercritical. There's a couple moments on the flat part of the wave where he looks a little young, but when the wave presents itself, he takes full advantage of it. He looks incredible. There's no doubting it. I almost feel like he's having a dream run. Like, I mean, those first two heats he had, round one and round three, his first two waves were like nines yeah. and they were both barrels. Yeah. So it's it's almost like all the stars have aligned. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm wondering when he runs into a little bit of, um, of you know, things aren't going his way. Right. How he's going to handle that. Well, that's been my argument all along with him. But he seems to have good things happen for him, like in the way that Kelly Slater, yes. the waves always come to him. Tom Curran, the waves always come to him. So he seems to have a little bit of that magic. I was really touting Wade Carmichael, which I'm not backing off of. He lost late in the event. I'm going to keep promoting him through the rest of Australia because I'd love to see him at Bells and Margaret River and all that sort of stuff because who knows what Michael Rodriguez will look like at Bells. If Bells is pumping and double overhead, I think Wade Carmichael, that is where he'll shine. I think, I'm sorry, real quick regarding Bells, I think how will Michael Rodriguez look if it's three to four feet Bells and it's kind of flat and how will he, you know, I think he'll do good if it's eight feet. But if it's three to four feet and you've got those moments where you only... You're hoping to get two turns on the outside right. before the big cutbacks. You know, how will yeah. he perform there? But yeah. I didn't go ahead. Well, um, Griff, I think I am gonna I think I put my foot in my mouth a little bit on past shows. Like he looks he looks ready to go, man. I think he's well, got there's what no it doubting takes. it. I mean, look you know, he's not in it anymore, but he almost got through it, right? And Mikey Wright just lost last night too. The same round as Griffin, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. The three person round, which right. by the way, they're not doing the round five anymore, which is great. Fantastic move. Oh wait, no Griffin got through. He got through. He serves in a quarterfinal against Michael, Michelle Perez. That's going to happen later today. And it looks like they're shifting to Kira, by the way. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. They're setting up tents anyways, so that they'll be ready. To that's, there. that's some breaking news. Yeah. Except by the time we get this on, it'll be old news. <laughs> yeah. Um, something I want to touch on, the round one drama, right? Medina um, caught and surfed the best wave of the day. And in so doing, he cut off uh, Leo Fioravanti. How do yeah. I say that? Fioravanti. Fioravanti. And Leo basically out-hustled him and out-hassled Medina. And guess what? There was plenty of drama in this round because of this. And plenty of opportunity for social media discussion, which happened. And everybody loves this drama. Like, this drama plays into the hands of the WSL. Even though after it plays out, you hear people say, oh, I'd rather see surfing rather than hassling. And sure, that's for sure. This is a surf contest. It's not a hassle contest. But, of course, Potts is a big fan of sort of that in-your-face, like, little bit of, um, you know, machismo that takes place when there's a paddle battle for priority. But I'm saying, how about both, right? So what I'm suggesting is, we should look at each location on a case-by-case basis. Some locations are conducive to a liberal, loosey-goosey priority rule, such as the case with this week at Snapper Rocks. Because of the current, because the waves have gotten bigger, because there's a lot going on, I think a more loosey-goosey, liberal, maybe even lifting the priority Interesting. can take place. 
And look, snapper could be three foot and three feet, and it's not a good idea. And this should be on the commissioner or the head judge should make this call on how they approach the priority rule case, not like a blanket. This is how we're going to do it this year, but more of a, hey, Akira today, we're not going to do it. At Snapper tomorrow, we are going to do it. I like it. Yeah. And um, the WSL should look at, at opening up this concept. Being more liberal when the opportunity presents itself, using discretion at each location and on each day. Now, what didn't we get from the WSL, which we should have got, was an immediate post-heat interview with either Leo or Gabe Medina, because the guy that won the heat, they interviewed. I forget who it was. but it might have been Griff, right? No, it wasn't Griff. But for God's sakes, give us what we want. We just saw incredible tension go down. Everybody during the heat was talking about it. There was an interference laid down to Gabe. We need a tough interviewer down on the beach finding those moments that allow us to light up social media and just it's going to just help the WSL grow their brand. Yeah. I ask you this, what would Dana White do? He would go to the loser and go, hey, this guy kicked your teeth in. How do you feel? What's funny is Dana will post it on Instagram and call out the people. Dana will be like Mario, I forget the Yamasaki, whatever the referee's name is. He'll like stop a fight too early. Dana will take to social media and blast him. Be like, I can't stand this ref that stopped the fight early. The ref that works for his organization, you know, which is an extreme case. Right. But you're right. He doesn't shy away from the controversy. He lights the, throws some gas on the I fire. love it. And, yeah. and guess what doesn't light up social media? A softball interview with the winner. Right. When the two guys that we want to hear from are walking down the beach and throwing their boards on the rocks. Right. Idolo Ferrer won that heat. Right. Now... I'm not blaming Rosie Hodge. She's not the person for this. And I don't know who the person is, but it's got to be somebody, maybe an MMA guy <laughs> that has the balls to go up and Matt go, hey, Hoy. get Matt Hoy. Matt Hoy might be the guy. That's the type of guy that we need, you know, because it's just going to help the brand. Yeah. And by the way, however many millions of us are viewing want to immediately hear Gabe snap and throw some F-bombs and go Bobby Martinez. You know what's interesting about that uh, paddle battle situation? If it were the opposite, if Gabe had done that to Leo, I guarantee the internet would have been on fire anti-Gabe. For sure. Right? We would have been leading the charge, you and I. Yeah. But because <laughs> it was Leo doing it to Gabe, who is the villain, we were like, good. Gabe got a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> Thank God. Finally, it worked against Gabe for once. You know, like, good on Leo. I love Italy. I'm going to eat some yeah, pasta. I'm just putting Leo on my fantasy team. It's yeah. incredible. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's my take yeah, that's, on I the drama that went down and, and well, the, you made a couple the inability points. for the WSL to capitalize on this. And this is like year 10 of this. couple of great points there, Scott. Yes, capitalize on the drama. But more importantly, yes, half a cup if you can. Absolutely. Thank you. Capitalize on the drama, absolutely. But I love the other point of doing individual kind of assessments of the waves the day of and making priority decisions based on that. I think that's super savvy. I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. We've always tried to create these very blanket objective criteria and rules that need to apply to surfing everywhere we go because we've been seeking legitimacy as a sport. That might have been an error all along. The way that we could seek legitimacy is by 
really what we do on a daily basis. You go to the beach, you analyze the waves, and you pick the board and the fins and the equipment and all that stuff for that given day, and also which peak you're going to surf. I normally surf here, but today the sandbar shifted. I'm going to go surf down here a little bit. You know, like you make all those assessments and you treat it accordingly. So I think that... That's a brand new idea that I'm throwing out there. I can't that, believe we've just... I know. I'm, I'm co-opting it. I can't yeah, believe are. we yeah. have identified... It took us this long to identify this. You finally said we. I'm so proud of you. Your interview with Tyler, it was all about me. It's all about me, right? <laughs> well, I hope they take... Um, you know, listen to what we're saying here. And I think it would be cool because I think they're obviously Chopu, you're probably not going to, you're going to have a very stringent. Perfect. Yeah. Know. Chopu, it needs to be. Yeah. It needs to be a stringent a priority. And you right. get a turn. Yeah. You get a turn and you get a turn. Now, Margaret River, I think at Margaret River, you could probably have a loosey goosey thing. You got a big playing field, a lot of people moving around, a lot of people paddling around. How much more exciting would that be from a viewership, from yeah. a viewer standpoint? Yeah. By the way, listenership, I thought not a word. I looked it up, is a word. Listenership. Did we have a discussion about that? You said the word many times on your interview with Swell Season. And then you were going to call me out on it? I was. It? I was like, is that even a word? David made up a new word. I'm the only guy that can make up new words. You know what? It probably wasn't a word 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It might be a newer word. You know, they add words. <laughs> because of you. <laughs> because of the invention of pod. Podcast wasn't a word 10 years ago, you know? I would um, also like to say this. Maybe a new segment for our show. Okay. Receiving a bad judgment. Is that the name of a segment? Receiving. Receiving a bad how about judgment. I'm calling BS? Okay. I'm calling BS. Pretty more intuitive. I'm calling BS. I want you, everybody out there, pull up the heat analyzer. Round four, heat number three. Okay. Round four, heat number three in the heat analyzer. A heat between Kanoa Igarashi. Julian Wilson, and I believe one other person. Uh, Colapinto, Griffin Colapinto. There's a wave towards the end of the heat. Kanoa does two, it's one of his top two waves. If you can get a chance, check it out. Kanoa does two innovative, high-performance moves on the outside. His first turn is an incredibly risk-taking move. Kanoa's received a bad judgment of 5.87 and I'm calling BS because I then want you to look at Julian Wilson's second scoring wave just a few moments later Julian Wilson ripped three or four smooth and stylish in the pocket pinpoint hacks and carves all very nice but at this point in the contest round four I'm saying rather pedestrian, especially relative to the risk-taking the Kanoa took. Julian received a 7.47, almost two points more for not taking any risk whatsoever, just doing standard, at this point, WCT caliber, incredible power hacks in the pocket, but nothing like Kanoa did first turn outside at the rock. Only a 5.87 for Kanoa. And a 7.47 for Julian. I'm calling BS. Yeah, those waves look pretty similar. I just watched them. Two points different. And They're the not two points different. Kanoa's the risk, is bigger. The risk that Kanoa takes on his first turn? Kanoa's is bigger. The thing is, Jeremy or uh, Julian's... Kanoa's is bigger on the takeoff. The first two turns, the wave's bigger. Julian's 
gets the inside section, like the midsection, and he bangs it a bunch of times in Not a, a row. Not a bunch, maybe three or four, but at that point... Canoas goes flat after the first couple no sections. No doubt, but this is round four right. of no, the I CT. Agree. They're not two points difference. Look at the look at the risk-taking that Canoa yeah. took. I mean, he's... There's similar scores, for sure. They're not two points Yeah, I'm not necessarily saying that Canoa should be higher no. scored, but I'm, I'm saying two points? Where is this... New judging criteria. Oh, by the way, Richie Porter is no longer the head judge. I guess that's old news. It is, but I think uh, by and large the scale has been shifted downward. There's no tens in the event yet. Like every things that used to be scored sevens are now getting scored fives. It seems like they've um, pulled back a little bit. They've restrained themselves. So yeah, but that really has nothing to do with this conversation. I'm okay with them restraining themselves. No, it doesn't. I'm just saying. It, I ask all of you to no, go I look agree. at this and tell me that, in my opinion, what Kanoa did took way more balls, was definitely more high performance, was way more cutting edge, and at least deserved to be the same score, right around the same score. Because we're in round four. If this was round one, I get it. Okay, everyone's going to do their power hacks, right. and they're going to hope that your your guy's Michael February, and he's just all gangly and flabby <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> the 12-year-old bead dervich. Dude, that was a good call. Who's the other gangly guy that a few years ago that rode for Globe, real tall guy? Rode for Nathan Globe? Nathan Webster. Nathan Webster. Yeah, yeah. Like a 12-year-old Nathan Webster. Um, so uh, I was wondering a couple of things with that exchange. Number one, Julian is injured. And everybody knows he's injured, and we're expecting him to underperform. So when he like kind of sees, when he grits his teeth, sees past the pain, and then delivers, you know, to his kind of ability level. I wonder if there's an element of an extra point or two that goes into that because it's like whew, he grinded through that thing. I hope whether not. you like it or not, that that happens. And then he also claimed the end of that wave, which I think validates that feeling of like. Man, he's really persevering. Oh, and he knows that he's persevering. So I wonder if he gets bumped a little point or two. Well, for Un- sure, those of us on the beach feel like, you know, there's definitely some, you know, empathy. Yeah. But I hope that's not the case. How could it not? How? I know that because judges are so- judges that are supposed to, you know, be the best at what they do. And- they're also humans that are subject to their own emotions, you know, and like. Are you saying that a subjective judging doesn't make real sport? You're the one saying that. I'm saying it is subjective no matter how objective you try to make it. Um, Which sounds like a flaw. It is. Yes, I agree. It is a flaw. By the way, we're down to, by the way, by the time people listen to this, it might, the event might well be over. But for you and I, you were up late last night. If you watched that heat last night or did you watch the replay this morning? I I watched, um, no, I watched the replay. Oh, okay. Uh, But I was up late watching. It should end tonight quarterfinals are set who's your pick to win the event well i i would like to see owen wright win you called owen wright on our last show and he looks insane i mean almost like maybe he peaked too soon by the way how boring is ace bucking love the guy he actually looks sparkier than he's ever looked but he's still kind of for whatever reason he doesn't have the pizzazz backside that say a matt wilkinson or an owen wright he just it seems like his board he just seems like nat young oh yeah totally nat young Nat Young was supposed to be Ace Buck in 2.0, but he never fully developed. Um, by the way, this is my secret. Thank you for the coffee. This is my secret. Nat or Ace Buckin is my sneaky fantasy pick always. Where it's Smart. like 
he just always gets two eights and he always makes the quarters not not always but depending on the venue like trestles you never think of him about about him at trestles but every year it's a fifth or better at trestles okay i've got uber conspiracy theory going so you know how ace bucking is like the ambassador for this pick up three pieces of trash yeah. and th- pick up three pe- what's it called the Three to the beach. Three, three the, from the beach. Three from the beach. Whatever. Who? Three for the beach. Three maybe. for the beach. So, and they're tied in with WSL Pure. Yes. So that's why they're pushing Ace Buck, and so they can get all these post-heat interviews with him, where they go, "Oh, and by the way, tell us again about three from the beach." Yeah, <laughs> they've done it three times. I think it's great for the environment. So I'm. So for let's it. push Ace Buck. Do you, are you buying it. into the conspiracy? I like it. Yes, I am buying in. Right. Um, by the way, Ace, I think is targeted for a commissioner position in retirement he'd be a great commissioner right right i'm just gonna start calling michael february nathan february what about <laughs> nathan durbich bead february bead bead a, a Fe- young bead february <laughs> bead webster webster's dictionary He's all gangly and um, awkward so a- he looks like a puppy dog like a really that's gonna grow to be huge. He's got those. What long about limbs. no? Because that flapping is more like a wing motion. Yeah. So m- what about like a? W- well, I don't want to use the seagull because that was MR, right? The wounded seagull. Wounded gull. Wounded gull. He's kind of got a He's little. Got a little bit of the gull. MR when he was twelve. What? What? More pigeon-like though, I would say. Pigeon broke with a broken wing. Squab. It's I like think squab. Owen Wright wins this thing, but you when you look at all four of these guys. The guy who shouldn't win is Ace Bucking. Ace Ace doesn't win, but he always does well. Thomas Hermes against Philippe. He does, Thomas does him. not win. I'm I'm my pick was Philippe last time. I'm sticking with it. Okay, I could see Owen versus Philippe in the semis, and Michael Rodriguez versus Griff. Griffin in the other semi. And then Michael Rodriguez versus Philippe Toledo in the final makes sense. If it goes to Kira, does that benefit the regular footers? Well, it'll be more of a barrel riding thing. So kind of, but at this level, Owen Wright is an incredible backside tube rider. But yeah, for the long tubes, I don't know, man. That's a great question. All right. Well, you get Owen. I'm taking Philippe. Okay. Scott. Remember you uh, asked me to discuss surfing sacred principles last show? Yes. And I was woefully underprepared. I wasn't quite sure what you were asking. We got some fan engagement, and it seems like what you were implying was that there's certain negative characteristics that if you have, they basically make you a better surfer. Like selfishness serves you well as a surfer. Were those the things that you were talking about? Yeah, well, and what I was trying to, I think what I was trying to get at was that safe surfing's principles are perceived as all these wonderful things like spirituality right. and one with nature, when really the principles that I'm acting on, and maybe it's just me, Got it. are, aren't really those things, unfortunately. Now, th- now, those are good ideals to shoot for, right. but I'm, I'm always coming short. I always end up having arguments with people in the water in my own head between my ears and they don't even know what's going on. Right. Okay. As opposed to, Hey, I can't wait to give you the next wave. Exactly. (laughs) So that is exactly what, yeah, I was kind of uh, interpreting after I thought about it, but I spent a lot of time in self-reflection. We got some emails. I assessed those emails and, uh, I think 
it's made me reevaluate surfing as a whole. I started realizing that you're right. If you have these negative characteristics, you're predisposed to actually being a better surfer. If you're antisocial, that serves you well in the lineup. If you're greedy, serves you really well in the lineup. If you're hedonistic, you know, these things that aren't good for you yeah, in life, exactly. you go out in the That's lineup. That's where you nailed it. Because these things aren't where no. we're trying to, we should be pointing for. You'll end up in jail if you live by these principles <laughs> on land. But in the lineup, it means you get every set wave. And it means that then your skill level improves. So as I was kind of putting antisocial, greedy, hedonistic, I realized seven deadly sins fits perfectly. If you have, if you're lustful, you know, you come home from the beach, you're staring at magazines, you're watching all the videos, you're lusting after all you want to surf perfect waves. You want to get the brand new board, like all that, that serves you well. Gluttony one of the seven deadly sins, right? We all know the feeling going on a surf trip and having zero balance. You just surf all day, every day until you're completely surfed out, right? Greed, I want more boards. I need more gear. Give me more wetsuits. I need more, right? Uh, sloth is the only one that doesn't really apply because there's no laziness in in surfing. Wrath, obviously. Surf. Is wrath the seventh, one of the seven? Yeah. Oh. Obviously, surf fights happen all the time. It's a common occurrence. Altercations. I don't know if it's common, but it happens. Envy, seeing others at the best peak and then moving over to their peak because you saw what they got, wanting the board that they got. Pride is the seventh deadly sin. Very, very common in surfing. Self-promoting through Instagram, all that stuff that's all associated with pride. So surfers are the worst. They're the worst. We are, we are the, yeah. So but then I thought further about it. Right. And I was like, okay, we talk about on this show, it comes up pretty regularly as a theme, surfing being this multifaceted metaphor for life, right? These predisposing character traits that you identified, they make you a better surfer. However, they don't help you enjoy surfing more. I feel like when you're living in that mentality, you might be improving as a surfer, but I would argue you're not actually enjoying the act of surfing. You're getting better, and then you get out of the water angry and anxiety riddled, you know? So they seem to hinder your enjoyment despite your efforts to improve the act itself. Um, so listener, AJ. AJ Prill. Sent us this list yes. of eight verses for training the mind, which he heard on a podcast. And specifically on this podcast, they were using them to reference Buddhist practitioners who were seeking awareness. So I, I kind of assessed those and I was like, okay, this is actually what happens despite all your efforts. Like the ocean has a way of humbling you, right? So if you are feeling prideful, if you are feeling gluttonous, if you are feeling envious, you go out there with that intention, but through the act of surfing, it puts you through this kind of mechanism that spits you out the other end without those things and feeling more enlightened. And I think uh, that is what we're all hoping to achieve. You go through, you get humbled by the ocean and you come out a better person. So among these eight verses for training the mind, I'm not gonna give you all eight, Scott. I'm gonna give you some of the highlights that apply most to surfing. Number six was, uh, even when someone I have helped or in whom I placed great hopes, mistreats me very unjustly, I view that person as a spiritual teacher. 
That's heavy. It's deep, right? So someone you have helped and you put great hopes in, but they mistreat you. What's the lesson in that is basically what he's saying. It's this is an opportunity for me to learn and grow. This person who I put a bunch of hopes in disappointed me and took advantage, but this is an opportunity for me to grow. Where can I buckle down and get better, right? Deep. So number five, whenever uh, someone out of envy does me wrong by attacking or belittling, I will take defeat upon myself and give victory to others. So somebody burns you on a set wave, there's no uh, retribution. It's just, hey, you ripped that wave. Good job. And then you go back and try to get another one. You know? That's amazing. Deep. It's good stuff. I I enjoyed his email. And um, basically, I mean, if you boil it down, it's um, he kind of nailed it in one of his sentences. I don't have it here in front of me. But he basically said, it's it's not about ego. It's about the opposite. I don't know. Letting go of your pride and being of service to others. Yeah. Uh, in brief, directly or indirectly, I will offer help and happiness to all my mothers and secretly take upon myself all their hurting and suffering. Wow. Despite what you're going through, try to lift the burden off your, your fellow That's man. Amazing. So my point is just that you're right. These kind of seven deadly sins, so to speak, put you on the set wave and put you in position to kind of improve the act of surfing but they don't help you enjoy surfing and the ocean has a way of kind of stripping those things away from you and if you allow it to be humbled and then spit you out the other end a kind of more enlightened human being by the way do you ever have urinal anxiety like like you go into a public urinal and you can't go (laughs) no because i've been getting this lately Wow, and, this is quite the detour in the conversation. Well, so my thing is, is I do math. And once I start doing math, my mind gets taken off of the urinal anxiety and the flow begins. We should have opened the show with this because I could do <laughs> 90 minutes on this, Scott. Um, okay. Two times two is four. Four times four is 16. What's 16 times 16? I don't know. Well, by that time, we're flowing. The whole thing, the, thing, <laughs> the gates are open. That's By the way, all it takes. It's like a three second. Well, try to figure out 16 times 16. Yeah. So you just got to take your, okay. So it's just a distraction. You're right. You're taking your mind. Right. Wait, where did the anxiety come from? You didn't have it previously? No, but you know, you know, in my adult life, I think I've had it. Not when I was, you know, I don't know the exact time, but. Is it an insecurity, Scott? Maybe, maybe there's, it's just really small down there and things aren't, you, I don't know what you it worry, is. Are you worried? Are you I, at a I think trough it's more the, in this scenario? I think it's more the. Pardon me? Are you at the trough in this scenario? No. Well, no. I will never go to the trough. The trough is the worst. I won't go to the trough. Why does the trough even exist? I don't know. That's like a that's like a that's like a penal system way to you know like that's like a state penitentiary thing. It's a strict violation of the penal code. (laughs) Exactly right. You know what's a strict violation of the penal code is talking to your urinal mate. That's totally wrong. Like you talk about a seize up. I don't have. It usually happens when there's other people next to me in the urinal next to me, and I'm just like, oh, I got to do math. So if you go in there by yourself, no problem. Yeah. You just let it fly. Yeah. So there must be some insecurity or some, I don't know. What I would need to excavate social why I, anxiety I, it's disorder. It's definitely a social anxiety. Um, but really, is that a social? Is that a place to be social? It's not. That's so what's I don't weird think it's about a it. disorder. I think it's an order. I think it's the way you should be. 
I agree with that. Here's what's weird. People's bathroom behavior baffles me. Like they treat it as if it is the wild west and nobody's around. I'll be standing two feet from a guy. Yeah, a guy rips a huge fart two feet away from me standing at the urinal. While he's looking at his phone? Like what's the deal with looking at your phone? (laughs) Pee splash back onto his phone, rips a huge fart. I see the grossest things in bathrooms and it's like, would you ever do this? Five feet away, there's a door. And if you and I were on one foot outside of that door, you would never exhibit the behavior you're exhibiting right now. Right. But for some reason, once you pass this threshold, all now, rules go out the window. The guy that does that, that passes gas like that, he is he because he doesn't care, is he more enlightened than we are? Or is it, you know, like who's really right or wrong? Like well, it's because a great you question. and I consider it a social, you know, it's, it's not right, right? It's are we the ones that have the problem? Yes, to a degree. I wish I was that guy. Like I wish that I had zero care about what other people thought. Or, but I I do think that in my kind of utopia, you operate with a certain level of dignity and decorum. That civilized, civilized that benefits your fellow man. Yes. And you don't have to smell the crazy things that come out of their body and hear the crazy things. So I would rather live in that world. You know, when that guy passes gas really loud or their comments that are made afterwards, like, Oh, or (laughs) good one. There's off. No, there's never other people that comment. No, I think the bathroom code that they do live by because there is honor among thieves is, you don't acknowledge each other's behavior. When you're in there, right. you just do your thing and you ignore everybody else. But you did mention the grunt. What's with the grunting too? I hear more weird noises like that in bathrooms that I've never done in my life. Oh, the spitting. Yeah. Do you spit in the urinal? No. When you step up to it, do you spit? No. I've seen people do that and I just... I'm like, I don't spit in life. Like if I'm right. sick, maybe I will. By the way, this show's called Spit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This well, is anyway, all one cleverly disguised ad to get the track. name of the show. <laughs> from, another email came from AJ Prill. I don't know if you got it, but it was AJ's pretty interesting. Fire, and dude. I want to read. This is an article done by theplayerstribune.com. And they did an interview with John John Florence. And I'd like to read a little bit of it. Yeah, I saw If this. I may. So this is John John talking. So he says... And I'm again, this is John John. A few years ago, I realized that I'd basically been free surfing during events since I started competing. And that had been fine when I was younger and not trying to qualify. But after all that losing and after I broke my back, did you know that John John Florence broke his back? Yeah. I did not know that. I came to a realization that competitions are actually a really unique opportunity to get to know yourself better because you have all of these ups and downs and you have to figure out how to deal with these emotions. I started to see competitions as a chance to learn about myself. Very Slater-esque. That's my commentary Mm -hmm. on that. And that's when I started to, I really started improving. Now, as weird as as it is to say, I almost think that competitions are more mentally gratifying for me than free surfing sessions. I love the challenge of it. You have to find that space you find when you're free surfing with maybe another friend in the water or no one else around. But you have to find it with a few thousand people watching and announcers and pressure and all of these other factors. I feel like 
I've been learning a lot about how to find that space and about myself. And that's made competition something that I really, really look forward to. I just needed to dig in and make it about learning. After that, everything changed for me. And not just with surfing. What's maybe been most cool about that shift in my approach to competitions is that it's bled over into a bunch of other parts of my life. And I began really applying that frame of mind to all sorts of things I enjoy, whether it's flying airplanes or photography or learning everything I can about native Hawaiian plants or reading about the origins of the universe or beekeeping. At this point, I really just want to learn as much as I can about all sorts of things. And that works out great because I'm one of those people who finds it very hard to stop doing things. That was an amazing bit of opening up about himself. I found that to be sound. That, that could have come from Kelly Slater. Mm -hmm. The way Kelly sometimes often talks about bigger topics. Mm -hmm. And look, we already love John John Florence. I I found this just to be fascinating and, and really kind of touches on what you and I were talking about earlier about the principles of surfing on some level. Right. Well, I have often said that I want John John to exhibit the genius that we see in the water on the podium when he's being interviewed, and I never quite get it. I He always is just very kind of bland and never says anything too insightful. But I've also always said that with a caveat of... They're trained to be bland. Yeah. And like, look, he doesn't... He's probably very deep and intelligent and insightful with his personal relationships. He obviously when he's is. communicating with his family and friends, he doesn't need to do it on the podium. So I get that, but I want to hear him say something. It's like Tom Curran, you're dying to see him when somebody interviews him on land, you just start rubbing your hands together. You're like, tell us something, Tom, give us some wisdom, you know? And then he never quite delivers and you always go like, dang it. Darn it. I wish I, I want to know Tom, you know? There's more wisdom in a string of ums and ahs and I don't knows from Tom Curran than like 90% of the guys on tour. True, I true, find, true. I find the gaps in time when Tom's talking, I find I, I find little nuggets of beauty just, just in the silence. Yeah. Well, the problem is we have Kelly Slater on the other hand who gives us all this insight. In a post-heat interview, whether he won or lost, he says 10 things that you're like, holy crap. That makes me appreciate comp competition more, makes me appreciate surfing more, makes me appreciate him, as, like all this stuff. So when John John doesn't do it, I find myself a little let down. However, I appreciated that interview with John John for the exact same, for that reason. It's like, oh, okay, he is a deep thinker. Another aspect of it that I liked was the best surfers that we've ever known aren't strictly surfers. If you spend your whole life devoted to surfing, you become pretty boring. Kelly Slater has a lot of other interests. John John Florist is a sailor. Florence is a sailor. He's obviously trying to get his pilot's license. He's studying beekeeping. Like those make him a more interesting surfer. You know what I mean? So I say that because when I was a teenager, all I wanted to do was surf. It was like, can I start homeschooling so I could surf more? Like, what can I do? And thankfully, my parents kept me well-rounded enough to where I was able to seek in, I was able to find joy in a lot of other aspects of life. You know what I mean? And I still have friends from that time in my life who spend every, every single day at the beach all day, every day, and don't really have a lot of options at this point in their life, you know? So I think that that John, John expressing those things to me says he will be a multi time, a multi world champion for a long time to come. I absolutely agree. I almost feel like 
if you're going to be a world champion, you have to have these sort of um, breakthroughs, these mental, you know, like you, you have to be open-minded enough to be a champion. Like you just can't be single-focused. You'll I, get burned out. Even Adriano is pretty, has some pretty deep, empathetic statements sometimes, yeah. you know. But I think his he's going to be a, a victim of burnout. Like he is, how many years can you focus this hard on one thing? By the way, I, I feel like this new crop of surfing that we've seen really, really puts a spotlight on some of the flaws in Adriano's surfing. Yeah. Like, he's gotten away with it for a while. and But at this level, when you get to these eight guys, these, how many ever, yeah, we've got eight left. The top level guys, I was watching Adriano's heats. He does these two little check turns that that are kind of hideous. Relative off the to, bottom, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Off the bottom, bottom turns. Two or three to set. Where Julian's just grinding oh, yeah. into one smooth turn after another. Yeah. And this is where that spotlight really gets turned on. But well, so that I think is reflective of if you solely focus on one thing, you can do it really well for a period of time, but you can't be sustain it. You can't sustain it, and you also can't be. You could be the top let's say 10% through sheer will, grit, determination. But, but only for a little while. But you can't be the top 2%. What Kelly's doing, what John John is doing, is reserved for somebody who gets everything that you're doing, but also enriches it with other life experience, you know, and other information and other, that all shows in their surfing. There's a poetry to their surfing and Adriano's going, what's the value in poetry? Like, we're here to crunch numbers. We're here to do math. Like, yeah. why poetry? Right. They're going, no, 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 we understand the math, but... There's poetry. Let's math. add some poetry to and it. And there's poetry in math. Can you find the poetry yeah. in math? Yeah, exactly. Once I find the poetry in math, it doesn't even feel like math anymore. Right. The equations just come to me. Right. You know, while you're forcing to do the equations, you're forcing yourself, you know, to grind it out. This is like goodwill hunting right now. <laughs> this is exactly right. You know, Scott, sometimes I just walk into a room and I see some numbers on a wall and um, magically they all start coming together. Oh, wow. Sometimes I'm mopping the floor and then I glance over. More from AJ Prill. Loyal listener AJ brings this up and I thought it'd be an interesting discussion. Does America appreciate its surfers the way that Australia does? No. I mean, Australians love McFanning. When will America have a Mick or a Joel? Now, granted, we have Kelly, right? But Australia seems to have a pipeline of guys. And, of course, the culture in Australia yeah. is just so sporting. that, And, well, and surfing is one of the top sports in Australia as well. When AJ sent that, my initial thought reply was, well, when is Australia going to have a Gabriel Medina? Because I bet Gabriel has a huger fandom in Brazil than Mick has in Australia. And just look at his Instagram followers as an indicator, you know? Um, so, yeah, America doesn't have a Mick, but Australia doesn't have a Gabe. And then I thought, kind of to our point that we just had, which is, I don't want to fan out over my guys. Like, I have too many other interests in my life. Like, an the reason why Brazil is that hyper-focused on Gabriel is because they need to hang their hat on that because... He is their soccer team sucks. Or or maybe Gabe <laughs> Oh my god, I just got so hated by Brazil. Or maybe Gabe didn't come out of a favela, but the reason why they they need the Adriano story who did come out of a favela, who went on to become something because that's very important to the culture. You know what I mean? I love Adriano. <laughs> I do. 
I love that he did that. Yeah. That he came out. I, I don't love his surfing, but right. I think he's a great human. I'm just saying, I don't have uh, the need for a hero in my life like that. And I fully support Kelly. And I now I got to get behind Griff, too, because he's killing it. But I don't I don't need a hero in my life. Is it in Carlos? Respect. Carlos, your hero? Or hey, Matt oh, Banning? so here's the real deal, Scott. <laughs> the, a listener pointed this out because I, with my uh, interview with Dave Prodan, he's like, who's your women's pick for this year? And I was like, Courtney Conlog. Well, then Courtney gets injured going into Snapper. And a listener emailed me and he's like, dude, you gave her the scales curse. Oh, my God. The scales curse is it real. Yes, it, it is real. Name them, dude. Well, Matt, Matt Banning. Banning, Carlos. I called Matt Banning out for a year. I'm like, this is the guy. I'm putting all my betting Jack on. Jack Freestone. All of them. Every single one is of them. Freestone on the CT? No, he got bumped off last yeah. year. And so Matt Banning breaks his knee, right? Or whatever, like tears something in his knee. Yeah. ACL. Carlos Munoz goes on a bender, falls off the off the QS. Courtney <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Conlog. Dude, Julian Wilson. I called Julian last year. It took him a year for the scales curse to get him. But sure enough, going into this year... Bang, separates so his shoulder. it sounds to me like Griffin's been cursed. No, Griffin Wade should... got cursed because oh, I put all my money on Wade going into this year. Now he's going to get injured. Wade looks like one of the Geico Cro-Magnon guys. You know what I mean? Like one of those Geico That's insurance. He's call. like the Cro-Magnon dude. He's just You're got right. so much friggin' hair You're on right, him. You're right, dude. He, he... So easy. Even a caveman could do it. Yeah, he's like a caveman. Quali- he is a caveman. Qualifying for the CT, so easy a caveman could do it. Only took him 10 years. Caveman Carmichael. Yeah. So he's caveman got, the, he's got the curse? Dude, caveman Carmichael. Yes. I'm afraid he's got the curse. So what I'm going to start doing is... Reverse cursing. Reverse cursing, dude. <laughs> for sure. Reverse is that even cursing. a thing? It's now a thing. Well, John John certainly had the curse. We didn't really talk about his loss. He gave... He gave... In his round one heat, he gave um, priority at the beginning to, to Mikey Wright. Didn't even really fight for it. And the heat went downhill from there. And um, I believe Peter Malk sort of called him out like, you know what, sometimes John John is constantly like, all right, you know what, go ahead, have priority. Right. Like that's kind of his MO. He's very casual in the water. He's not uber aggressive when it comes to that type of priority situation. He's just like, you know what, you go on the first one. I'll rip the crap out of the second one. And Peter was saying, look, that's good. It's worked for him. Obviously, it's working great. But once in a while, you need to change it up and you need to kind of force the issue with the guy. And I thought that was pretty good insight. Once in a while. Yes. Not all the time. Don't, you know. For me, the difference in that heat was wave selection. Mikey was on set waves and he didn't falter. John John picked off mediocre waves. And could that be the case of, hey, you should have studied yes. the conditions. And at this point in time, let's get a little aggressive and demand priority. Yeah, there's only in that heat. If there you was only he, two good waves. With Mikey Wright, Mikey Wright's kind of like caveman part two. I mean. Do you want to really, I mean, I get it that John John's like, you know what? I'm just going to let that guy over there have first priority because yeah. he's kind of gnarly, Mikey Wright. He's he's kind of, he's kind of got like a little attitude and a little, like, he's a little feisty and maybe I'm wrong. That's the vibe I get. Is I like him. That he's a little feisty. Like I can get that John John's like, I'm not going to mess with this guy. If it was Ace Bucking, okay, I'm going to paddle up and take priority. Right. Yeah, I I like Mikey a lot. I like that we're starting to see a refinement in him that is akin to his older siblings. The refinement that Tyler Wright has that one or two world titles, the refinement that Owen Wright has to have all the success that he had. Mikey was always raw and really talented, but now he's able to win heats. Like he's number one on the QS right now. Well, Michael Rodriguez and Mikey Wright, man, those two guys have really, I mean, they did some of the, probably the best turns of the event so far. I mean, I'm just blown away. And we talked about it earlier in the show, but I just, 
as I think back, I just go, wow, those two guys. Because I'm the first one to go, eh, wasn't impressed. But I'm, I want to, you know, stand here before you and say, wow, I was impressed. Now, real quick, Thomas Hermes has some really brilliant moments, super fast. But he, too, has, there's just a little slight glitch at one point in his surfing somewhere in the wave that like Griffin, where I kind of go, uh, he's just not quite, there's a little bit of sanding that a little bit of polishing that needs to be done on the style somewhere. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure how to even articulate it, but I totally agree. Yeah. There's just a moment where you're like, is this guy on the QS? <laughs> you know. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, he is, um, really focused on doing maneuvers. So it's like he'll do some explosive kind of turn, whereas I feel Julian Wilson is creating this symphony of kind of one motion of yes. of energy. Yeah, the so transition. Julian, yeah, Julian's standing up and it's like bottom turn into top turn to bottom turn to carve to blow tail. It's all part of one motion of energy transfer yeah. where I think Thomas, it's like, Oh, here's a lip. Crack. Where's another lip? Where can I do another turn? Oh, it's over there. Let me get there. Bang. Crack that one. You know? Yes. That's a really good way to put it. And it, I think that matters. I mean, it's Adriano-esque. Yes. And style matters. I mean, uh, you know, look, we're down to eight guys um, and they're all doing some pretty radical stuff. Yeah. I think at some point style matters, even though it's not necessarily written that way in the... Um, criteria we'll see it at bells and j bay more than we will at snapper yes because in these conditions it's serving thomas well tomas yeah because especially when there's a little there's bit always of, something down the line to go get and there's flat spots too so he's kind of he can eyeball that section and race over to it and then just smash it and it looks cool once you're at j bay i was just gonna it'll say highlight, j bay more than bells it'll highlight the flaws yeah. um so yeah congratulations tomas but we're coming at you I'm I'm hearing that they might have it at Winky. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Which is kind of it, it serves two purposes. Yeah. Winky's a better wave, but they still have it at Bells. You know what I mean? So they get the mm -hmm. best of both worlds. All right, Scott. Uh must see moment, Duke, Kook, any of that jazz? God, I, pre I I prepared so much stuff I didn't even prepare any of that stuff. No worries. Uh my must see moment, did you see Clay Marzo's edit? No. You remember Clay Marzo? I do remember Clay Marzo. <laughs> I'd like to see Clay Marzo. So in a perfect world, sorry to interrupt, but you were mentioning how can we get these guys. Who was it, the guy in Texas, B BC? or No, Bruce. Bruce in Texas was saying, how do we get these guys on tour? Would you want Clay on tour? I want Clay as a wild card at Fiji. Well, we don't have Fiji anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have Clay. Can we get him at some super cool left? Um macaroni something like that anyway by the way bruce was like at that end of that email he's like dude if you're ever out in austin texas like if, or if you're ever out here to surf enlin wave park like let me know i'll give you a ride or whatever and i replied back i'm like there's a good chance i'm coming to austin there's no chance i'm surfing the enlin wave park dude <laughs> like if i go there it'll be for food and for music and like for all these other great things that austin is known for stand up paddling yeah, it's not known for the Enlin Wave Park. And um, now that I've had a taste of gold, I'm not going to go back and like try to drink copper, you know. Uh, you've surfed it. Yeah. Was it worth, to, worth it to go to surf? It was worth it to, to say you've done it. But if you've surfed in a wave pool already, the quality of which you, that you have, you don't need to go there. Yeah. 
it's kind of pricey for what you get relative sure. to what you've already got for well, free. Funny thing is then Bruce chimed in and he's like, yeah, I live three. No, I think he said 10 minutes from there and I've never surfed it. Yeah. He's like, I'd rather wait and go on a weekend trip to whatever his local spot is. Yeah. And yeah. I, I Bob Hall Pier. Maybe. So Clay Marzo though, dude, like nine minute edit. He just dropped nine minutes. The dude's a freak. He is. He's a freak. He is. Every time. And he doesn't release that much. He's kind of a recluse and hasn't released that much footage in is recent he years. Paid? He's got a sponsor, JSLV or whatever that company is. I have no idea who they are. Um, that doesn't bode well for JSLD if you don't know who they are. I know. And um, they're putting their... Well, he's on Superbrand. Oh, okay. I know they always do a lot of promotion for him, so Superbrand boards. And then I think he has like an energy drink, Monster. Mm-hmm. Or not Monster, maybe it's Re- um, Rockstar. So whatever, I don't know. He's getting paid. I don't think he's at the top of his uh, game like he was with Quicksilver. But he's a freakish talent. That clayback that he does is never gets old his barrel riding prowess in like unpredictable lefts is second to none and that's why we'd like to see him as a wild card truly truly a savant level talent so clay marzo's nine minute edit is available on spitpodcast.com it is called in today's harvest so that is my musty moment i'll have to look at that you'll you'll freak dude my um duke is george downing for the reasons oh, that we point. stated, just like an unbelievable con- contribution to our world of surfing, immeasurable how much he contributed. And then my kook for the week, Scott, hydrofoils in crowded lineups. <laughs> Not hydrofoils at large, right. just in crowded lineups. Yeah. I actually want a hydrofoil. I know, I do too. It looks so fun. I heard it's super, super hard. You like, see very- I've heard it's very hard. Mick Fanning was trying to do it before the comp, not at Snapper, but I saw like- that. That was a D-bar. He wasn't able to do it. And then Gabriel got up and did it immediately. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's my must-see moment. I actually, I see so many edits that I, I got to start writing them down because I, I watch a lot. Yeah, after four years of doing the show, like <laughs> keep a little notepad near your computer. This is my segment. We used to do this segment. That's what's shocking about it is it's your segment. <laughs> My yeah. must-see moment. Yeah, Clay Marza. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so hydrofoiling in the lineup, the reason why I bring it up is Joel Tudor just posted a video and like completely called people out on it. He's like, unless you're Kai, Lenny, uh, Laird Hamilton, or John John, stay the F out of the lineup with these things. Yeah. And then a bunch of the Hurley guys like Jeff Hurley and Punker Pat and all them chimed in and they're just like, hey, we're so glad to have you as our all knowing, all seeing like arbiter of what's approved in the lineup, Joel. Thanks a lot. You know, Ryan Hurley's really good at it. He's so good. I think it's Ryan. I don't think it's Jeff. Jeff's probably good, too. But I know Ryan's really good. like low. He stays super low center of gravity and just like does these long drawn out carves like you. We talk about riding a single fin or a bigger board to like draw. This is even more of that. This is even more of just lay into it and feel. Yeah, it's. A t- I think it's just a total different sensation too. Yeah. I'm very intrigued. I've been looking at foils. Um, we got a couple foil companies in the boardroom show. There'll be foils there. And um, what I've learned, I talked to Brian Szymanski about it because Brian's doing it. And Jeff Baldwin, my friend Jeff Baldwin's doing it. What I've learned is... The learning curve is very steep, super, super steep, you know, but if you put in the time, like I'm talking like 20 days in a row, 20 days in a row of going every day and getting pulled behind boats in some cases, just, you just got to get the feel for what it feels like. 
once you get there, you're stoked. But the learning curve's steeper than anything. Right. It's steeper than kiting, steeper than wow. all of that stuff. Well. And so I'm like, wow. And they're kind of pricey. Are they? I want to say I the imagine. foil itself is like maybe 1800 bucks. Wow. And then the board's going to be whatever it is, 600 right. bucks or whatever. But I think once you get past the learning curve and you're there, the possibilities are endless. Like you could go out to like Little Waimea out in Point Loma and just score or down like K39 and a half. And of course, the listening audience may not know where I'm talking about because we're sort of California centric. But I think around the world, yeah. there's spots that nobody nobody would normally surf. And I think that was Joel Tudor's point is like, don't bring this out at Cardiff, which people are, you know, and this is like. You can ride these things anywhere. The world is your oyster because it doesn't need a, even a breaking wave. No. And it can have like a two foot kind of just nothing wave and you have a blast on these things. So um, that was that was Joel's point. But to your point, you're right. It opens up everything. Yeah. It expands the ocean for you. Yeah. So kook, kook of the week, hydrofoils in crowded lineups. Somebody will get decapitated. Um, so get them out of the crowded lineups. Well, I want to thank Rob. So Rob Colby at need is he's got a booth at the boardroom show. So he said last year it was, he got a booth at the boardroom show last year, right after you and I had purchased those wetsuits and talked about it on the show. And he said he had countless people come up and mention, and then actually he was selling product at the boardroom show. And he said it was very, it was a great event for him. So he got a booth with you this year as well. So if you want to come out and see Rob, meet Rob, super nice guy, and then check out all the wares, the boardroom shows the place to do it. And Surf Splendor is going to be there. You Dude, got a booth. I got a booth. And Dave Parmenter is going to be there. Can you believe I got Dave to come? I, I'll believe it when I see it. I know. But I saw your 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 paddle surf vehicle. Yes. That thing's insane. You got a brand new 12-foot Parmenter Aleutian Juice glider, more or less, right? What he calls the paddle surf vehicle, which it does both. You can paddle long distances or yeah. surf it. Surf big balmy waves killer. on it. It's got like a lot of rocker, more than like a normal glider, I would think. It probably has a, oh, really? More yeah. Than, oh, that, yeah. I would think it would be flatter because gotta, it's a paddler. If he wants you to be able to paddle it, you wouldn't want rocker. Yeah. It's, but it's I'd made for look. surfing too. It's got a bunch of roll in the nose. Yeah. It's an interesting board. It's glorious just to look at, dude. Yeah. And like hold, it's just like this. It's well, amazing. I have a brand new glider, so we might have to go glide. Okay, I transporting the thing is a nightmare. It is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big ass. You know what we should do? We should probably, if we can pull it off, we should probably go to um, Dog Patch at Old Man's at San Onofre Perfect. and just glide. Let's for do it. A couple and we'll. By the way, there'll be a bunch of guys on foils out We're there. We're gonna get radiation, dude. Poisoning. I mean, we'll get eaten by great white sharks. A lot of bad things are gonna happen. At Dog I don't want to surf around there. Foils, anymore, radiation, and great white sharks are like all for a two foot shitty mushy way. All for our listeners, so that we can report back. What'd you get? I got an Andrini. I got a brand new Andrini 11 footer. You already had one of those, right? I've had four of them. Dang. Can't give them up. Dang. By the way, the uh, California Gold Surf Auction is in full bloom. We've got something like 60 surfboards that are coming in fast and furious. I'm taking photos of them and writing them and putting them up. So go to thevintagesurfauction.com to check out all I, mean, I just got a killer board from Lance Collins a killer wave tools 1980 wow it's super there's a bunch of stuff for everybody so if you just got a little bit of money there's boards with starting bids of a hundred dollars 
Like we've got a Mark Ocalupo pipeline gun. Wow. His personal board from Wade to Coro. Starting price is a hundred bucks. Wow. We've got boards all the way, and we've got some incredible Pat Currens where you know the starting price is like ten thousand just to start. I mean, these are twenty thousand dollars surfboards. So there's something for everybody, and there's not just boards. There's um, some rare and unique um, surf images and stuff like that cool. too. So March fifth and sixth is the boardroom May. show. I'm May, sorry, May five and May, 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 May. six. May 5th and 6th. And then, like Scott said, I, for Surf Splendor, I'm getting a booth. And I'm just going to have sofas in it, basically. It's just to hang out. like Because people come up and they try to find us. We should get a large monitor and have the surf contest on in your booth. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Okay. I mean, just a thought. Let's do it. That's yeah. a great... I would love to do that. And then I thought um, all these guests that I've had people want to meet right so i'm going to get people to come down jamie brissick i invited him he has a writer's workshop that he's got to be at so he was going to come he can't make it but parmenter agreed to come down like you said you'll believe it when i see it when you see it he better not leave me hanging dude because i've started advertising it but um yeah people he'll be there he'll be there okay cool people who i've had on the show i'm gonna i'll put out the list of are you gonna have the glider there um i don't know i could yeah it'd be worth it right since people i mean i know it's a lot to carry around yeah yeah yeah. okay well at any rate come by hang out schedule it don't go to the founders cup sorry wsl you guys will sell enough tickets as is uh but come to the boardroom show flounders cup Ooh, burn (laughs) Nah, that you'll never get an invite back oh i'm just kidding so neatessentials.com uh Huge thank you to them for supporting this show yeah. because it means a lot to Scott and I, and it's going to really allow us to execute some goals that we've had for a long time on this show. And then spyoptic.com, uh, promo code podcast will get you the free t-shirt and all that jazz. And then also just huge thanks to them for the support. They make unbelievable product. Yeah, spy. And it's like, look, maybe you don't need sunglasses right now. You have a pair, but you will need sunglasses at some point. You'll need snow goggles. They do prescription uh, glasses too. You can actually order your prescription through their website. So be happy. Be see happy. See happy. See happy. Right. All right, Scott. Okay. Until next time, adios and aloha.